So for today's sermon, we have uh, our lead pastor, Charles Park, to bring the sermon today. So let's welcome Charles. Thank you, Amelia. That sounds really fun. I'm sorry I'll be missing it because I'll be upstairs. <laughs> we'll chat with Charles. So if you want to do that, to uh, hang out with boring old me instead of fun, fun festival down there, you could do that. But we'll have some good tacos. So, yeah. So if you have questions about faith, stuff like that, you can come up. Or you want to have fun downstairs, you can do that. Whole bunch of options. Happy Halloween, everyone. You guys have some good plans this weekend, tomorrow, dressing up. We used to do a lot because we had three kids. But they're all grown up. They're doing their own thing. So we're not really doing anything anymore. No energy. <laughs> but anyway, hope you enjoy this weekend. Welcome to the river. We've been in a sermon series called Why Faith? It's been good talking about why faith? Why put effort and investment into things of faith? And it's been a good series, don't you think? I've heard that good feedback. It's been well received. And today we wrap it all up with the topic, how do we navigate today's anxieties? Because there's just this, I just, I don't know about you, but it just feels like a lot out there. I can't remember a time when it felt so wobbly. <laughs> I mean, there is a war in Europe for the first time since World War II. That's new. And climate change, every year, it just feels like, wow, what is going on? Because you just feel like there is like historic once in a century <laughs> storm or weather patterns every year, right? What is happening to this earth we are living in? And, you know, you turn on the news. And I just am like reluctant to turn on the news these days, you know, just stay away. I mean, you turn it on. I mean, I never thought I would see the storming of the Congress in America, right? They say like 40% of Americans think that there will be a civil war here in the next 10 years. Jeez, that sounds scary, doesn't it? I never thought that election results would be under so much controversy, right? Majority of Americans think democracy will end here in America. And you just think, what is going on, right? It's very stressful when you, like, look up and think about these things. I mean, it's hard enough making it here in New York at the personal level, isn't it? all kinds of personal struggles we have to get through. And on top of it all, there's all this stuff going on. It just feels so unstable and crazy and wobbly. And that can lead to just feeling like antsy and a lot of like stress hormones in your body and just always in a constant state of just on edge a little bit. 
Anybody else like that? Like, just feels hard to deal with it all. And it's not good. Because stress and anxiety, that's not good for our health. It's been shown to disrupt our immune system. You know, uh, I see some doctors nodding their heads. Yes, it's not good. It's, it's shown to disrupt our uh, hormone systems. It can lead to depression. Um, I've read this book where it talks about telomeres. Have you heard of telomeres? It, it determines how long we can live. It determines how many times our cells can regenerate. You know, our cells in our body regenerate every 90 days and by replicating. And telomeres determine how many times that, that you can do that. So basically, the shorter it gets, you know, your cells lose your ability to replicate faithfully, and that's what aging is. And when it's just gone, then that's why we die. And stress and anxiety have been shown to shorten that thing. That's not good, right? It literally shortens our lifespan. I don't like that thought, do you? I don't, I want to stay away from stuff like that. Not good. Moreover, it has bad effect on our spiritual health. Scarcity and fear mentality can get in the way of agape. I've been talking about how important agape is. If you haven't listened to my last three sermons, you know, take a listen. It's on our YouTube channel as well as on our website. The Bible says the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through agape. That sounds important, right? The only thing that matters. That's like a, a flag. You know, pay attention. This is important, right? And it's all over the New Testament. Agape is talked about in such dramatic terms. It's the greatest commandment. Everything in the Bible hangs on agape. God is agape. So it's, you know, these are like hints. Pay attention. This is it. And so I've talked about it last three sermons. Uh, take a listen if you haven't. But this agape, unconditional love, unconditional mindset, it's everything in faith. So it's worth paying some attention to understanding and trying to practice. But when scarcity hits and anxiety rises up, our tendency is to circle our wagon, right? Turn inward. Like you don't have the room to really think about bigger things. So it can lead to tribal mindset, conditional mindset. It's antithetical to the agape. And so it's not good for our spirits. So I believe this is one reason why the Bible tells us to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many of you heard of this verse? That's a great verse, right? It sounds really nice. Great sentiment. But, <laughs> but you laugh and scoff a little bit. I, I hear you because how do you do this? I mean, it's just very challenging, right? Now, some of us have like anxiety disorder, 
a stress disorder and stuff like that. It's a medical condition that's like a broken ankle. That requires medical care. So I don't want this to be yet another thing that's like a burden to you, like another thing we fail at. It's God's will for us, but I can't do it. So it just makes you even more burdened. I don't want you to feel like that because even for happy-go-lucky people, how do you do this? It just feels impossible, right? Most people, so most people treat it like it's like something from Chinese fortune cookie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you read it and you think, oh, that's nice. I like that saying. Ignore, ignore, ignore. Right? There's no real practical impact on life because... I mean, it's nice to have in the back of your mind, but you just think, oh, that's just impossible. If you want to do things in the Bible, just forget about it. I don't think we're supposed to do that with this verse, especially since it says it's God's will for you in Christ. That seems important to me, doesn't it? So I think we're supposed to pay attention, even if it sounds practically impossible. I think those are the moments when you actually can gain some gold from the Bible, something that's strange and like not natural. That's when like if you dig in, something good, something divine can come through. Um, so I'd like to offer some pastoral perspective on this challenging verse. First, I want to talk about what this verse is not telling us to do, what this is not about. It's not about detaching from reality. That's never good. Delusional detachment from reality never leads to anything good. This is not about pretending, hiding in some la-la land and pretending like everything is just great when it's not. Don't live in denial. This verse is not telling you to rejoice for the bad things that happen in life. That would be discerning to yourself or to the people you love if you were to rejoice when something bad happens to people you love. You know, like if you were to like somehow like, oh, you know, I'm supposed to rejoice always, so when there's a mass shooting, oh, I, I'm going to be grateful for that. There's a war in Ukraine. Oh, I'm rejoicing over that. How, how does that come across? That's crazy talk, right? That's delusional, insensitive, hurtful. That's not agape. That's terrible, right? I mean, that's like psychopath. The Bible is not telling us to become a sociopath here. So another point about delusions don't live with the illusion of magical God who's going to just take care of everything for you and prevent anything bad from happening to you as long as you stay on the right side of God. So a lot of churches and preachers preach that, right? As long as you believe the right thing and 
do the right thing, and you know, here's the important part: give a lot of money <laughs> to the right church and right pastor. Come to their church, then God's gonna give you ten times what you give to God. God's gonna protect you from everything bad. You're gonna prosper. That's very popular when you turn on the TV and watch, you know, watch on TV for these preachers on Sunday morning. There's a lot of that going on. There's a certain amount of comfort and appeal to such preaching because it gives you illusion of control. Like if I can just do the right things, then I'll be in good. I'll be protected. But that's just completely false comfort. That's, illusion. that's delusional. Listen, bad things can happen to good people with no explanation, randomly. That's the point of the book of Job. Look, bad things happen to Jesus even, right? We understand this. He got tortured and got crucified. Was Jesus on bad side with God? Was Jesus disobedient and unrighteous? No. That's not what we believe as Christians. He did everything right. In fact, he predicted that his true followers will experience lots of suffering and bad things. You remember that? And so that's not where this is going. That's not what this is about. Now, I will be addressing this issue. Why do bad things happen to good people if there is a good God up there in a podcast this very Friday? Did you know I'm doing a podcast these days? And a little late, 20 years late maybe, I don't know. But finally getting in on the act. So every Friday I'm doing this. This is the third one that's happening. It's on our YouTube channel. We are trying to get it on Apple, Podcast, Spotify. Uh, apparently it takes a little bit of time to get approved. They need to listen to your content first. So we had to like launch it and then give it to them. And now they are in approval process. Supposed to get on soon. So take a listen. We've had some fun topics like how do we think about the Bible? You know, is it inerrant? If it is not inerrant, why should we listen to it? Or how do you define sin? Why does the church continually change their mind about what is sin? Fun topics. Impossible questions. Fresh perspective is what we are addressing. And it's fun. Take a listen. If you like it, spread it around. Um, this, this Friday is... Why do bad things happen to good people? So you can join in on live, ask questions before or during. If, you, if something has been bothering you, just send us the questions and we will address it. Sounds good? A little advertising there. Anyway, what was I talking about? So, yes, what I want to say today. Let's not hide in false religion that gives us illusion of control when that's not reality in fact. Um, that it's not true that somehow if we stay on the good side of God, that God's going to act like our personal genie. That's not how it works. 
talk about this. God is the vine, we are the branches. God is always on our side. God is always trying to give us what is good for us. Regardless, God is on your side. Don't have to do any. God just loves you for who you are. Amen? That's good news. So instead of those delusional things, here are my suggestions on what we can do realistically, rationally, to try to honor the command to be grateful in practice. First, we need to grieve when loss hits. Be honest with your emotions. Don't repress them. Not only is that bad for your emotional health, it's actually dishonoring to the good things in your life if you don't feel any loss. We can and should be sad because that's being grateful for and rejoicing in the lost good itself. Let me repeat that. This is an important point. We do need to grieve or get angry because that is being grateful for and rejoicing in the lost good in itself. I lost my dad five years ago. And I still grieve. I was very sad when my dad passed away. Because he was good to me. He was a good dad in many ways, not perfect. And I still am sad and angry that he's gone. If I were not, what would they say? What would that say about my dad? That his existence meant nothing to me? That he passed away and I'm like, oh, fine, no problem. That would not be honoring, right? That would not be being grateful for having had my dad, the good moments I had my dad. If I were to be grateful for that, then I'm going to be sad for losing that. It's the flip side of the same coin, right? It's the two sides of the same coin, to be sad or angry or being grateful for rejoicing for the good things in our life, isn't it? The problem comes when we feel the loss so much, we can become protective of our hearts. We can try to subconsciously protect our hearts by just detaching from anything or anyone good in our life because it hurts too much if you open up your hearts. But if you do that, then life can become gray. You can like lose sight of good things in life and you can just like robotically go through life without really truly appreciating or rejoicing over anything in life because you want to be protected. That's not good. That's not good. That can lead to like depression. Now depression is a clinical issue and nothing but medical care and treatment can help. It's like broken ankle. So that's another issue. But we can all agree that it's not good to lose taste for life itself, trying to be protective. That's like throwing the ba baby with the bathwater. 
So this verse, to be grateful at all times, we can understand it as the command to don't lose sight of the fact that there is good in this world. Don't shut off your hearts. Always be in touch with what is good, what you can be grateful for, what you can rejoice over. Don't lose sight of that. Hold on to it. Always. So we can always rejoice in the fact that there are good things in life. Even as I grieve the loss of my dad, I can rejoice over the fact that I did have my dad and those good moments. It can go together. It doesn't have to, it, it, it's not one or the other. In fact, it's the same thing. You have to have both. So if we understand it this way, we can rejoice always, even as we grieve, even as we get angry, as long as we never lose the sight of the fact that there is good thing that is in the first place causing that grief or sad feelings. Right? That's key. Not to despair. Not to turn our backs on the world or life itself. Always keeping in mind there is good. Keeping our hearts soft. That's key. It takes spiritual discipline and emotional strength and training but this is what will lead to more colorful life in the long run. Wouldn't you agree? So this leads to my second suggestion. Practice the spiritual discipline of dwelling on the good. Instead of always dwelling on the hurts and fear and anxiety, like the news always does, the news doesn't talk about good things, right? Because that's not what gets the rating. The news always looks at the horror, most horrible thing. The Bible tells us whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, fix your mind on such things and dwell on it. It's the opposite of news, right? Do that, it says. There's a lot of power in this practice. Not just to keep our hearts soft, but it can increase our capacity to envision better, more positive futures for ourselves. I talked about this last week in particular, in, and in depth. How we all have creative power, right? So if you're interested, take a listen. Well, I talked about how God invites us to participate in shaping reality, that God doesn't create directly in the creation account of Genesis. It's let the earth produce fruit, right? God doesn't produce fruit. Earth produces fruit. Earth decides how, when, where, you know, all that. It's a partnership. So with us. There's a range of possibilities in every life. We talked about this bell curve of possibilities that can happen in your life. 
at every moment. And there's positive, there's negative, most likely. It happens in the middle. There are some extreme possibilities. And I talked about prayer as something that can help us get to better possibility curves because it's plugging into here what God is inviting us, us into and God is always trying to get us to, you know, better, uh, good for us kind of possibilities. Now let's apply this idea to mental disposition. If we keep dwelling on the negative things, it's focused on the negative outcomes, then I have a suspicion that may shift the bell curve itself negatively if we are created in the image of God and God is inviting us into partnership in the ongoing act of creation. Then that's playing with fire, I feel like. Don't you think? It's like the negative side of prayer, plugging into negative side of possibilities. I mean, there is research on this too, like sports psychology. Have you heard of this? There's research done because there's billions of dollars involved in sports, right? So now they're trying to do everything to get even a little bit of an edge. And they talk about how, like, if you focus on negative possibilities, ironically, those things happen. Like, don't drop the ball. Don't mess up. Don't drop the ball. If, if an athlete, if professional athlete starts thinking that way, they will end up dropping the ball. They will end up in a negative place. There's a lot of significant research on this. This is what's happening to Ben Simmons. Do you know Ben Simmons? Our beloved Brooklyn Nets. Anybody follow basketball? This guy who is like several, worth several hundred million dollars in salary, he's fallen into kind of a negative headspace. And he's uh, unable to get out of it for like a couple of years, this super athlete. It's terrible. I don't know if you remember this guy, Chuck Knobloch. Uh, he places my age at this point. <laughs> Yankees. He's pretty, he was an excellent player. Just wonderful superstar, second baseman. He could not throw to first base for like a year. He just could not throw it. This guy who's worth hundreds of millions of dollars, he just can't throw to first base because he just kept thinking, don't mess up. There is a lot of research on this. If you dwell on the negative, that ironically can happen. It can shift the probability curve itself. It doesn't always work. It's not magic. It's not like if you just think of positive things, you're going, you're going to win the lottery. That's not how it works. We're talking about probability. Prob, prob, <laughs> now I'm like having trouble pronouncing things. <laughs> probability curves. So there are probabilities we are talking about. Better to be on the positive side of it, right? So don't dwell on regret. It turns our focus on what is lost, what we did wrong. It rejects our current reality. Instead, look forward. Don't think about what, what, what we made a mistake on in the past. Don't keep thinking about it. That's what the Bible is recommending. Turn your attention to the positive things. Train your mind to see life as a gift. 
Warren Buffett says, Warren Buffett is like the most well-known investor. So he's, he knows a thing or two about probabilities. <laughs> and he says, life is a gift. He says, we've all won cosmic lottery by just being born. Right? It just takes, we beat incredible odds to be born as us. You know how it works, right? Out of billions of sperm thingies, you made it. You are a winner for being you, right? I mean, for life to exist, for the sun to be where it is, for the earth to be where it is, for the fundamental constants of physics, like the speed of light, to be what it is, if it was off by just 0.0000001%, this would not be possible. It's such an unlikely thing. There's even a scientific theory called anthropic principle that says basically that the universe conspired to let life exist. It's astronomical how lucky we are. We beat the odds. And to be living in New York City in this century where we don't have to worry about bombs falling on us or some tiger coming to get us, we're lucky, but we just don't dwell on those facts. We dwell on all the things that are going wrong, all the things that went wrong, all the things we deserve but are not getting. You know, that loser friend from high school that you didn't think anything of. Now he's posting like perfect vacations on social media and you just think, what the? You know? And you just got pro passed over for promotion. It just makes you so angry. And that's what we think about. That's not fair. We need to balance it out. So let's practice dwelling on the good as a spiritual discipline. There's a book called Hardwiring Happiness. I like titles like that. It's a good one. Talks about how to train our brains to be more grateful. One big topic of the book is find something good in your immediate situation. That can be anything. Good weather, tree out the window. New York Giants are doing well for the first time in 20 years. <laughs> Whatever feels good. The meal you're about to have. Did you hear the phrase food is God's love made edible? I love that saying. Food is God's love made edible. Enjoy it. Take in God's love. There is good things in life. The Bible says it is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them. Right? There is permission. In fact, encouragement to be grateful and enjoy what is good. So is there anyone or anything good in your life you can think of? Don't rush past the good. Oh, it's a nice day. Oh, I got to get to work. You know? Oh, this is good food. Oh, just scoff it up. I don't have time. You know, take the moment. Savor your life. Dwell on the good. Finally, when we find it hard to dwell on the good, when we're just stressed out of our mind, reach out to God in prayer. When you are caught up in the loop, 
Just put up a quick prayer and try to connect to God because God is divine. We are the branches. We've been talking about this. God is constantly trying to give us what is good for us. We are connected to God already. So reach out to God. There is power in connecting to God's spirit because God will push you towards those good things. Yes? So today, during worship time, um, as the uh, worship team comes up, we're going to take a moment. There should be a piece of paper in your program and a pen nearby or on your seat. There should be a picture of God the vine and we as the branches, yes? So as the worship begins, we're going to take a moment. I'm going to give you some time to reach out to God and think of things that you can be grateful for today, immediately. You know, anything, fall weather, you know, your family, people that's important in your life. We're going to give you some moment because it's a spiritual discipline and worship of God to rejoice over the good in your life. Yes? So that's what we're going to do. Let's spend a bit of time to think about and dwell on whatever is good, whatever is honorable, whatever is excellent, praiseworthy, whatever you can be grateful for, that even the things you are sad about or grief over, you can write that down. Because behind that is what you are grateful for. Yes? So imagine yourself as these little branches and these fruits in your life is the reality of your life. Write these things and let's dwell on these good things in life.